I'm glad that we weren't recording when we were talking all of that shit because we talked shit for like 30 sec- thirty minutes even. Yep. But it does mean that um, usually I have something funny that I can clip from the end of what <laughs> I'm sure there'll be something stupid said that can be put there. If not, we'll, yeah. we'll freestyle rap at the end until we come up with something <laughs> funny. Welcome to Red and Barricades, the Lamest Podcast. My name is Nemo Martin. I use the pronouns. I am your host, and today I've been gutting my room of all of the shit I've hoarded and uh, having to deal with all of the cosplays that I've been uh, literally <laughs> holding on to since like 2010, maybe, um, and throw them all straight in the trash. <laughs> Woo! But uh, one of my friends hadn't seen one of my cosplay, and then I was looking back, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is what I look like pre-tea." And then I was like, "Oh, this is what I look like when I started this podcast." <laughs> That's insane. I'm like a fresh-faced little Andras baby, <laughs> a little beardless boy, a little beardless boy. It's insane. I was like looking at the photos of me taking a selfie and being like, "Oh my god." <laughs> <laughs> You're so fresh-faced. There are no eye bags permanently. <laughs> and also, like, having to paint on the the, the, the stubble for mm. a, a male character in that classic, you know, MCM Expo style. And being like, wow, now, like, my, my facial hair doesn't grow long, but it, like, grows very quickly and it's very annoying to deal with. And I'm like, man, t- <laughs> I, I'm glad that I have facial hair, but also take me back. <laughs> it's so annoying. <laughs> So yeah, that's what I was dealing with today. <laughs> uh, this is Stevie, she, they pronouns, primary researcher. This week? Does it count as this week? We just got back from Austria. Oh yeah. I only listened to the latest episode after we got back, because I like to listen when I'm at work. We forgot to ceremoniously do anything oh, yeah. to effigies. <laughs> but- oh my god, I'm not wearing black. Oh shit! Oh, we were, we were too busy hiking mountains and losing our minds immediately. Yes. <laughs> like Sarah's angels, like she was trying so hard to make that first hike, but all of us were chatting the dumbest shit behind her <laughs> that she was already like struggling to breathe because we're hiking up. And then trying to laugh at the same time was like, this is why none of you had brain cells. Like, you weren't breathing. You were too busy just saying shit. (laughs) So there was no cells left to remember we were meant to ceremoniously bury some effigies. Oh my god. That was a lot of laughter. Which was nice. (laughs) Yeah, we do love... I mean... As shown by the fact I love listening to this podcast back to be like, haha, we make each other laugh. <laughs> yeah. From being being around friends and being like, wow, we just love each other's company, huh? We'll laugh at anything. <laughs> That's just nice smash two words together. That's it. <laughs> that's the next four days of our life. <laughs> like to believe that, that that's what the Barricade Boys have. Yeah, that would be nice. Pro- pro- probably some of them. Yeah. Not all. Not on Shoreless. Uh, I don't know. I could see him being very, like, stony and cynical, but then, like, going on a walk with Confer and Kufarak, and then, like, kind of surprising himself with how much he laughs over something very silly. And, like, Kufarak and Confer kind of, like, look at each other in that way that's, like, 
oh he's our little silly billy <laughs> and then like they never tell him because otherwise he will never laugh in their presence again but yeah and then he enjoys that walk and then he immediately comes back and then Grantera is like oh you have a new in joke ah i could be part of the next hike um you could let me come and then Andreas is like no <laughs> choke yeah <laughs> Mm, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> well, there's no... The, the, well, I don't think there's any laughs. <laughs> Actually, I had some laughs. Okay, the boys not might not be laughing, but I had some laughs this week with these chapters. Well, that's good. I don't think... So, I read this a couple days ago because I thought we were recording and I hadn't read the message that said we absolutely weren't recording. <laughs> So, I don't remember there being any deaths this week, so okay. huzzah. Huzzah! Just the death of Jean Valjean's happiness. <laughs> Which is the most significant death. Mm. Okay, so let's go in. Oh, but we do start kind of sad, because we just lost Eponine. Oh, yeah. But Marius kept his promise, and he did kiss her pale brow. And he's like, this isn't a betrayal of Cosette. This is a gentle and pensive farewell to a poor unfortunate soul. (laughs) Poor unfortunate soul. (laughs) She was in pain, in need. (laughs) Well, at least she became a mermaid afterwards, so that's good. Yeah, Eponine, you'll be a mermaid in the next life with your middle-aged Japanese (laughs) office worker. (laughs) Marius then immediately is taking out the letter Eponine had brought to him. Man's heart is so fashioned, the poor child had barely closed her eyes before Marius was thinking about opening that sheet of paper. Bastard! (laughs) You're like, he did a nice... (laughs) Ruined immediately. He lays her gently on the ground and just walks away. I'm like, do we not have a place for for the dead? (laughs) Just, Just where they drop? Okay. But because he's like, something told him he could not read this letter in the presence of that body. So I guess she did just like spell out for him that she had been in love with him. So it's not really him using his intuition to be yeah. like, maybe this is a bad look to something read my love told letter next him. to him. Hmm. <laughs> Was it Eponine three seconds ago? <laughs> so the, <laughs> this made me laugh as well. The address is to Monsieur... Marius Pomacy, care of Monsieur Kiverek. <laughs> so it literally like was as we had been joking of like, you've got to send the letter to Kiverek. You've got to do the Twitter, not yeah. Twitter, the TikTok being like, my house, which is Kiverek's house. <laughs> oh my God. And it says, my beloved, alas, my father is determined to leave without delay. This, ne- this evening we shall be at 7 Rue de la Homme in a week's time we shall be in England, Cosette. Fourth of June. Such was the innocence of their love that Marius was not even familiar with Cosette's handwriting. Wow. So, <laughs> Victor Hugo, what had happened may be told in a few words. And you're like, okay, is it going to be a few? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Eponine was responsible for everything. Because we know she had tried to thwart her dad from robbing the house. Yeah. So she was the one who'd crept up on Jean Valjean and was like, get the fuck out. Yeah. And this was like a mix to prevent 
him being robbed, like prevent that house being robbed, but also she did want to get, because they're out of there, to like get her out of Marius's hands. Mm. And then she disguised herself as a man, told Marius, come to the barricade, we're going to fucking die together, bitch. (laughs) And then we know how that all went. I'm looking for where those few, that rounding up really does end in Hugo's few words. Mm-hmm. Few. <laughs> okay. So, Marius. <sighs> it's just, he's, this boy is so up and down. Because we know he was just like, she wants me to die, so whatever. She doesn't even care about me. And he's like, oh, she does love me. <laughs> oh, my God. He's like, I don't need to die. Oop. Wait, but she's going away, so I might as well, actually. Yeah, there's no way. Well, yeah, he did have that conclusion when he stared at a tree for like seven hours, where he was Mm. like, no, there's no way to go to Europe. I don't have a job, so I can't pay. Hmm. Well, I guess I'll die. (laughs) You couldn't work for three months, make some money? No. The sooner death comes, the better. But he remembers he's got two duties to fulfill. To inform Cosette of his death and send her a last farewell. (laughs) Nice. And then save Eponine's brother, Tenardier's son, from the impending catastrophe. So he has had that realisation you pointed out of like, Mm. oh, I don't have to owe the debt to those horrible people. I could owe it to the children. Yeah. He's got. He's had his dream journal on him this whole time. <laughs> if we remember leave the that, house with his without no. your dream journal. So luckily, he can tear a page out of that and writes, "Our marriage was impossible. I asked my grandfather. He was against it. I'm without money, and so are you. <laughs> I came running. You are already gone. You know the vow I made to you. I abide by it. I am to die. I love you. When you read this, my soul will be close by, smiling on." Oh Jesus! He. Folds that up, and then is like, oh wait, writes on the outside, my name is Marius Pomersi. Okay. Take my body to my grandfather, and then puts his grandfather's address. So, And then puts that in his pocket, so assuming he'll die, he can be identified. Mm. I did, the other day when I was reading Toilers of the Sea, Hugo has this whole bit in it where he's like, Oh, it's so great. One good thing about being English is that the the young lovers can just go and get married. <laughs> That's a charming <laughs> custom that they have. And I was like, uh, yeah, thinking about Marius and like him like being like, my grandfather said we can't, so we can't kind of thing. But yeah, like the young lovers in Toilers of the Sea just kind of like decide that they want to get married and they don't think they're going to get permission from uh, the the guardian, so they just go <laughs> to the church and get married. <laughs> and he goes like, "It's so ah, oh, so great." <laughs> I wonder when that changed. Because so my now divorced will not surprise you. Uh, parents who got married at mm. seventeen couldn't do that in England and had to go up to Scotland, hitchhike mm. up to Scotland in order to do that at that age without parental permission. Mm. Well, so. In it, they were like, they went to the church and they were like, yes, our father, or my father, says it's okay. And that was like the level of like, okay, (laughs) commission agreed kind of thing. (laughs) Um, 
and I, I think it was more about like the pomp and circumstance that has to go into it as well like they were able to get uh, like as long as it was in a church it was like kind of okay for them you're to get good. married yeah uh, rather than like oh you have to go you have to have whatever whatever it is that they were doing in France at the same time yeah <laughs> good like I know that eventually Jean Valjean will be like I bless this union but at this point Imagine his heart stopping imagining that if they had been in England, like, they'd be married. Yeah, oh my god, yeah, oh shit, worst move. You've got to go somewhere, like, even more, uh, where uh, you remove even more of Cosette's rights. <laughs> imagine if they had gone and Marius had snuck aboard the same ship. Like, imagine that the barricade hadn't happened. They would have arrived and been married that morning. They the cursing would... of himself, Jean Valjean, like, he'd be like, this is my fault. Yeah. Oh my god. Right the AU. <laughs> oh, painful. Painful. Good news for current Jean Valjean's mindset. It wasn't possible. Marius was going to have to die. Uh, so he calls over Gavroche and is like, Will you do something for me? And Gavroche has an expression of cheerful devotion and is like, anything, truly, but for you I was done for. And I'm like, oh my god, you did save mm. the right people. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, can you leave the barricade right now and send this letter to this address? And Gavroche is like, the heroic child, even. It's like, oh, but the barricade mm. will be taken if I'm not here. Is he yeah, wrong? Yeah, it's true. That's just a fact. They should fear that. It, they should. He's the only one keeping attention. He knows all of the people. Like he's got <laughs> he's every left. spy. And Marius was like, "Nah, like all the signs are saying the barricade won't be under attack before daybreak, and it won't be taken before midday tomorrow." He just—he's right, I guess. But mm. like, should he be? Yeah, the assailants are—I don't know—regrouping. <laughs> are letting them regroup mm. as well? Like that's not very tactical, but okay. <laughs> so Gavroche is like, "Okay, yeah, fine. In that case." What if I take it to two, tomorrow morning? And Maris like, nah, it'll be too late. The barricade will be closed off. Like, you gotta go now. Mm. And Gavroche isn't happy, but he's like, yeah, okay, fine. But then Gavroche doesn't say to Marius, who is, like, purposely trying to get this child out of here. Which mm. is more than Ajolas can say, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> but Ajolas knows Gavroche is holding this whole operation together. Yeah, and Ajolas has the, like, child's right things. Like, you know... <laughs> True. If you want to be here, then you can be here. You don't have a, like, you know, what's he going to do? Get the Chenardier's permission? Like, this kid <laughs> wants to be here. And even though he's going to die, like, he's aware that he's going to die. He's a man of France. Yeah, he's a man of France. <laughs> but Gavroche is like, oh, actually, this address is really close by. I can just run and do it now and I'll be back in time. <laughs> Book 15. The Telltale Blotter. So... <laughs> <laughs> While this has all been going on, Jean Valjean was in the grip of terrible turmoil. <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> um, like Paris, he too was trembling on the brink of tremendous revolution in mm. obscurity. Mm. The same as in Paris as for him, two principles confront each other, the white angel and the black angel, grappling on the bridge of the abyss. Who will win? <laughs> so... Evening before the 5th of June, so the 4th of June, <laughs> Jean Valjean, Cosette, Toussaint had moved to Rue de la Homme um, because mm. he'd had a voice be like, move house. <laughs> <laughs> and 
He really is going through it. This is like the first time ever that his Will and Cosette's have been distinct from each other. Because mm. he's like, we are moving house. Mm. I'm alarmed. A stranger has told me to. I'm uncompromising. We're just doing that. Mm. And Cosette does not want to mm. do that. But like, she doesn't have a choice. It has to happen. But she's like clearly unhappy mm. about it. Tight-lipped, without exchanging words with each other. Uh, absorbed in their own con- concerns. He'd brought Toussaint along, which he- he's never brought like an extra person along when they've done this sort of moving about for safety mm. before. But he felt she was loyal and trustworthy. Mm. And she was predestined to be his servant because she's not curious <laughs> and curiosity is where betrayal starts between master and servant. <laughs> she's literally just like, I get on with my work, and the rest is none of my business. I clock in, I clock out, I eat my meals, <laughs> I serve them theirs, and that's all—that's well, a good day's work. Yeah, I respect her. It couldn't be me. Yeah, I would no. be the betrayer from curiosity. <laughs> I was gossiping, just like, oh, he's a little man. What's he getting up to? He's got a lot of wigs. <laughs> I was trying to clean his coat the other day and he didn't empty his pockets of wigs. <laughs> but she, she's just like, it's better for me if I don't even fucking think about it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All he'd brought with him, because it happened so suddenly, he'd taken nothing but the little perfumed valet, which Cosette nick- nicknames the inseparable. <laughs> I I forgot what you were talking about for a second and thought like I was like perfumed valet that he just has like a very like perfumey little boy that he brings with him everywhere. What are you talking about? I was like, oh no, the little like thing that he's got um because cos- uh, like clothing. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. Yeah, it's the trunk of her thing. So like, yeah. it's very sentimental, but just Cosette referring to it as the inseparable like gets me every time. Yeah. Like yeah. Read your father, make little jokes yeah. at him. Toussaint had only been able to get permission to bring some linen, some clothes, a couple toiletry items, and Cosette had only taken her rating case and her blotter. Chekhov's blotter. <laughs> the So the new lodging is basically perfect. It's right down this tiny alley. It's so quiet. He feel mm. like he feels very safe. There's not a lot of thoroughfare going on. The street is an undisturbed oblivion. And it's only once they're there that Valjean's like, okay, my anxiety's coming down. No one could find me here. <laughs> he slept well that night. <laughs> Next morning, he wakes up like, yeah, cheerful, going about my day. Oh, and we also have Chekhov's in that pile of linen. <laughs> There's a little hole through which we can see Valjean's National Guard uniform. Mm, interesting. <laughs> Toussaint had brought her some broth at some point, but she doesn't come downstairs until the evening. And it's only to make her dad a bit happy. So she comes down, looks at the chicken that Toussaint has put out, but like she's just like not in the mood to eat. But Valjean, Valjean had only eaten the wing of a chicken. <laughs> Sorry. It's true. He eats the wing of the chicken. <laughs> it's my favorite. With some part. appetite. I love that line. It's like I also love the wing of the chicken, Valjean. Valjean, <laughs> we're like best friends and twins, and I love you, and everything's fine. Uh... 
It definitely won't come up later that the only thing he's eaten is the wing of a chicken. Eat some more of the chicken. <laughs> Get like some him. protein in your body. Please. You got all those muscles to keep up. <laughs> you don't want to lose your gains. <laughs> so, yeah, with his chicken wing. No wonder he's eating it with some appetite if that he's only eaten the the one as well, is what I'm feeling. Yeah. He's starting to feel safe again. Um, and Tucson keeps trying to be like, um, Monsieur, there's trouble, there's fighting in Paris. But he's like, da 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 da. <laughs> as he's eating his chicken, he's paying no attention. He's thinking about the future. And as usual, thinking about it with tenderness. He's like, why? Sh- what is to stop us from resuming our happy life? I see none. <laughs> this is one of the good times. <laughs> and it's because he's seen so many awful times, yeah. so many dark shadows, that now he can see a bit of blue sky on the horizon. Mm. So yeah, he's like, maybe traveling abroad will be good, maybe to London. Like, I guess I just sort of said that, but like, well, maybe mm. we should do that. What's the difference, France or England, as long as I have Cosette? Cosette was his nation. Because to him, all he needs is Cosette to be happy. So he it doesn't like even occur to him that it's not the same for her. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> so like, he's full of optimism. He's like, she'll be with me and it will be great. In his daydreams, whichever way he looked, he saw his happiness restored. And he's pacing around the room. <laughs> da, da, da. And then... In front of him, in the mirror, he sees, My beloved, alas, my father is determined to leave without delay. This evening we shall be at Severn Rue de la Homme Arme. In a week's time we shall be in England, Cosette. Uh, he is aghast. Agog, aghast. Is Cosette in love at last? Uh, so... Cosette, when she'd got in, she'd put her blotter on the sideboard in front of the mirror. Yeah. Because she's so wrapped in sorrow, as we know. And she'd forgotten that she'd left it wide open, precisely on the page she had pressed down to blot dry that letter. Yeah. Because we're writing with ink and quills, so the ink will run if you don't blot. So. And the writing, so the writing was imprinted on the blotter. And the mirror reflected the writing, and Victor Hugo knows a thing or two about how science works, guys. (laughs) This produced what in geometry is called a symmetric image, so that the backwards writing on the blotter was reversed in the mirror and appeared the right way around. (laughs) You dumb fucks. Bet you didn't think about that. I'm a master. Hell yeah. You don't know anything about nothing. <laughs> I could be Arthur Conan Doyle. I could write Sherlock. <laughs> I don't know how you would do this in like the twenty first century, though. Like, yeah, it would. There's hit a lot different. of spy shit that's like you just can't really get away with. Like people, yeah. write, like nobody writes down a, a a message on the hotel like paper in order for you to like get a pencil. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. It would be like she brought the family MacBook. Uh, she'd written the message and then went to delete it, but he'd click restore last session or something and it restored the page with her draft saved or something yeah, like that. But then you wouldn't you wouldn't have the Gavroche element and the Eponine element. <laughs> 
Like, oh, yeah. Because she needs to have hidden it and he needs to bring it. Like, Yeah, yeah, it just it can't... It, uh, we'd have to really think on this. I'm sure we will. <laughs> yeah. We won't do it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All this to say, it was <laughs> devastating. Yeah. He goes up to the mirror... He can't believe it. He's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm hallucinating. It's impossible. It's not there. Then he turns to the blotter in the real world, not in the mirror reflection, is like, that's just nonsense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't say what I thought it said. Like, it's fine, guys. It's fine. I'm not in denial. <laughs> the soul does not give into despair without having exhausted every illusion. Mm. <laughs> but then his eyes fall on the mirror again. He's like, no, it's words. <laughs> He reels, he drops the blotter, head bowed, glassy eyes, distraught. Cosette has written to someone. Uh, But also, like, who else does Cosette write letters to? Why does she have this blotter in the first Mm. place? Like, she's a lonely child. She doesn't have any friends. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Maybe her own diary or something? Maybe Mm. you just felt like she should have one? Yeah. Hmm. hmm. Explain that one, Victor Hugo. What's your answer to that, Hugo? <laughs> Checkmate. <laughs> Where's your 20-page explanation? <laughs> I guess when she's writing, must pick out two yards of silk for my dress or something, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. We'll kindly assume that. Yes, yeah. For Hugo's sake. For Hugo. Otherwise, he will raise from his grave to explain it to us. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Chance had treacherously brought it to Valjean, this note, before, like, it hasn't even got to Marius yet at this point. Jean Valjean, until that day, was unvanquished by any ordeal. Uh He, he's, we know that he's gone through it all. Yeah. The ferocity of fate had victimized and hounded him. He's accepted, when necessary, every extremity, sacrificed everything, given up his freedom, risked his life, lost everything. He's endured it all. Mm. Detached from himself like a martyr. Never has he been so lacerated. Mm. He felt agonised in every last fibre of his being. The supreme test, or rather the only test, is the loss of the beloved. Is it better to have loved (laughs) and lost, or never to have loved at all? And then, Victor Hugo... Why? Like, you know, you're like, actually, this is really unnecessary. (laughs) So he's like, poor old Valjean did not, of course, love Cosette other than as a father. Yeah. We've already pointed out that um, into this fatherhood, it has brought into his life every type of love. So, you know, it like starts with him being like, it's only fatherly, guys. And you're like, yeah, "Yeah, okay, good. And then he keeps going and you're (laughs) like, now I don't like it at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is like that that interview with um Andrew Davies where I he thought was about like... it the whole time. <laughs> uh our, our, our libel case where it's just like <laughs> Yes, I really love the relationship between Valjean and his daughter Cosette because they reminded me of my daughter. Anyway, cut to Valjean looking pedophilically <laughs> through the curtain at his daughter getting changed okay okay andrew <laughs> uh, he loved cosette as his daughter he loved her as his mother he loved her as his sister and you were like stop <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
And since he'd never had a sweetheart or a wife, since nature is a creditor that cannot be denied, that sentiment too was mingled with the rest, ill-defined, unknowing, pure, and the purity of blindness, unconscious, celestial, angelic, divine. You know, we were like, we're really protesting a lot here. Yeah. Celestial, angelic, divine her. Not so much a sentiment as an instinct. Invisible attraction. Uh, imperceptible, but real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In his immense tenderness for Cosette, love in the true sense of the world, like the vein of gold that lies hidden and virgin within the mountain. Uh-huh. So I'm already like, I don't like it. Shut up. Just stop mm-hmm. after fatherly and I'll let motherly and sisterly. You know what? I'll yeah. give you those. <laughs> but let I'll me just put my foot further into my mouth, Victor Hugo. Mm-hmm. No marriage was possible between them. Not even that of souls. And yet, <laughs> it is unquestionable that their destinies were wedded to each other. Mm-hmm. Throughout his long life, Valjean had known nothing of what love might be. No series of passions or affections. Valjean, in the end, a father for Cosette. A strange father, forged out of the grandfather, the son, the brother, and the husband Mm -hmm. contained in Jean Valjean. A father to whom there was even a mother. Yeah. So we're okay. like, gender! And then you're like, I'm still uh, reeling. Um, yeah. Do we have to... Uh... I guess it's a book. You know, we were like... <laughs> Don't... Is this the quiet part being said out loud? But, like, it's Jean Valjean going through it, so it's fine. And he's like, well, like, I must be honest, and this is what it's like. But you're like, I don't know, keep it to yourself. Mm. I kind of, like, I do wonder whether, like, the way to have this same sentiment, right, would have been, you know, how there's all the different types of love, like Agape and Eros and blah, 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 and Vajon had never experienced any of them, so he didn't know the difference between them, and it was kind of like that. Like, I feel like that would have been more acceptable, (laughs) or, like, more like, okay, I can see what you're going for, which is, like... Valjean is just like Valjean is experiencing every kind of heartbreak because he doesn't know what kind of heartbreak he is actually experiencing. Mm. But <laughs> don't say it like that. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I feel like that is exactly what he is trying to say. Mm. But you know, and it's just like it started so defensively. Like, yeah. of course, he only feels fatherly love. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, we were like. I didn't need the but or the end. I have been like, yes, he only feels fatherly love. <laughs> but now I got a question. <laughs> yeah. Why? I, that, I think maybe that's what I'd want to ask Victor Hugo. Like, Victor Hugo, why did you why? feel that you had to dig into that? Mm. Why did you feel you needed to clarify it? But in doing so, you <laughs> made it, it weirder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm trying to like, because I've, until this point, trying to be like, tried to be like, for my own sake, <laughs> given Victor yeah. Hugo the benefit of the doubt, to be like, yeah. you don't actually mean it. <laughs> right? You don't actually <laughs> mean it. I'm like, while you were talking, trying to be like, okay, putting aside my deep <laughs> and all-consuming love of Jean Valjean and my feelings about his relationship with Cosette, what would it be to... Except that Hugo has written that Valjean 
has loverly feelings for Cosette. Hmm. Not good. <laughs> I mean, but, but also, like, like, throughout, like, this is through the context as well of, like, any time Valjean's, like, love is mentioned, it's always, like, even if, like, he just doesn't understand what love is and he doesn't actively pursue it. He just kind of, like, likes when attention is given to him because he's never had that attention mm. given to him. And not saying that I want him to have explored further to be like, yes, looking at Cosette made Valjean's dick hard. Like, <laughs> But I guess there would be more clarity on the situation, whereas this kind of like, I couldn't say, and it's like, well, say, either way, say it's either fatherly <laughs> or it's not fatherly. But then maybe that's the point of it, that it's so like, he just doesn't know, and so neither do I, the author. Yeah. It's so consuming. Yeah. And like, you know, never acts on it and and in fact yeah. then goes the complete opposite way, which is like, you know, as we'll see, <laughs> siding himself yeah. to death and like really giving Cosette away and like being like, well, I can't be in her life at all. And I'm like, I think actually if if he was to admit that he did love her in ways that were like not pure and angelic, which also would have been fine, like... Not good, but like fine. It's not incest. It's yeah. Uh, you know, she's adopted, which is still incest under British laws and stuff like that. But you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like whether he would have had to have like killed himself in that <laughs> extreme a way of the like all or nothing kind of thing. I'm mm. I'm trying to think about that um post on Tumblr, which I know you know <laughs> all of the scientific rationality behind it. But you know the one that's like um talking about the death penalty it's about how like this one tumblr user was like you know we should have uh, abolished the death penalty except for for pedophiles and the other user was like the way that society has monstered those people means that we can't actually help anyone in the situation because we've just created this idea that like you are completely inhuman abhorrent blah 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 there's no helping those kind of mm. people and then it comes a like christian idea of like there are good people and there are bad people and mm. satan owns certain people and god owns other people and then it becomes queer people belong to the satan yeah and straight people belong to god kind of thing like it, when you black and white binary things blah 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 yeah i don't know that, that's where my brain was going with that we're mm. just like this is all like how can Nemo <laughs> ratif <laughs> ratify, that's not the right word, uh, square away the fact that Valjean yeah. has these thoughts at the same time as like really caring about this character and then feeling kind of like icked out by the fact that he also includes lover husband in there? Yeah. And I'm like, maybe, maybe I do just need to accept that like, he is like he has said all along. Yeah, Valjean and Hugo have said all along that Valjean struggles with thoughts and then gets through them. And like that is yeah. actually a very healthy thing <laughs> for all <laughs> yeah. of us to admit that we are not born perfect good people and we have bad thoughts sometimes. And then, or not even bad thoughts, we have thoughts sometimes that we feel are morally reprehensible. But then, as long as we're not acting on them then it's mm. fine. Yeah, I don't I 
This isn't the first time Hugo's made us have to be like, why did you, why this thing? Why, why like a lover? <laughs> like, this definitely isn't the first time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess, well, it makes, the like bottom line of it is like, it makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. That That's why whenever it happens, we're like, I wish you hadn't, mm. that it would almost, it would like be easier to swallow if it was that like, because you know, like some... Fathers are so possessive of their daughters. Yeah. But you wouldn't immediately go to, like, they wish they were their husband. It's like, yeah. you're my possession, mm. and I own you, and it upsets me to have to let you go. Like, yeah, that would almost make more sense to mm. us. Because, mm. like, that is, like, maybe not a... Well, I don't know. Like, it feels like it could... that You know, what you were saying earlier of he has never known... Love, so it is this all-consuming, like, and, you know, he said, all he needs for happiness is Cosette. So, like, he just feels everything for her all at once. Mm. And it devastates him that she doesn't only need him, because it, it, like, it kind of does boil down to the, like, oh, that means I'd have to share her. Mm. Where she would never have to share me, because, like, she's all I need to be happy. So, like, I don't think he's thinking of her, oh of her as a possession but like it could be yeah read in that kind of way that mm. some dads are like with their especially with their daughters can be like yeah but we just don't like how we pin this yeah well i i also remembered as you were saying that i was like oh yeah like the reason why last time we were so like weird about it is because we had talked so much about leopoldine right and like because oh his yeah is, Hugo and like, his own daughter a hundred percent like this this scene especially is based on the fact that Hugo was like when Leopoldine was like I'm getting married to this dude and we've been hiding it from you for a year and Hugo was like yeah I knew you'd be a freak about it yeah like fuck you no way you're not gonna marry this guy blah blah, blah pushed like you know pushed off the marriage and then by the time that they did get married they only then had a couple of months together before they died and Hugo's guilt like supreme ultimate guilt about that being like okay <laughs> yeah. and so I will allow Cosette and Marius to get married in this novel <laughs> so that they can live happily ever after and it is like Okay, so why Hugo? If <laughs> you put lover in this bit, which is so yeah. cl- like clearly based on your feelings towards your daughter. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to think that he's like work. Well, like in a lot of ways, he is like one to one, like working through it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I guess we don't want to think that he's working through this. Yeah, yeah. And it would be interesting if like. Well, I don't know. I guess we're talking about it, but, you know, we're talking for it because we're like, how can we make it (laughs) okay? But, like, (laughs) maybe it is that... I don't know, like, as you were talking and that kind of thing of, like, fathers and and daughters and that kind of, like, she will be mine forever and then the realisation that, like, oh, someone else will touch my daughter as I will touch my as I touched my wife in order to mm. get this daughter like those kind of feelings of like or those thoughts of like sexualizing not sexualizing like realizing, realizing that, your daughter will be a sexualized yeah, being yeah exactly or have sexual agency and I guess that kind of thought of like have that entering into the conversation might mm. have made sense but husband and lover <laughs> Yeah, but you're like, work through this a bit more yeah. in your own notebook and then put something on this page. Yeah, yeah. Add like one or two more sentences that are like, 
and by lover, I mean that <laughs> that Valjean was was have confronting feelings of like realizing that Cosette was coming of age and having a sexual sexuality and mm. not just being an, a pure angel. But he was thinking of her as his own lover. <laughs> Love, mm. I mean lover Bible. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Like, this is all just us being like, we don't like this. It makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. We like these characters, so we want it to not be like this. But, like, at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, this is what we've got. But... This doesn't stop us from in our fanfics pretending this never happened. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> Everyone in fandom reading this being being like, I nope. see. There's one sentence here and it says, Valjean only thought of Cosette as his daughter. Yep. Skips to the next page. <laughs> Weird, yeah. there's just blankness here. <laughs> like, we've ruminated on it a lot because very clearly, and like, I'm, I feel like it would make most people feel some kind of way. Yeah. So, like, we have given it the space to be like, and this is what he said, and we can't pretend that it's not there. Yeah. Going forward, we're going to choose... <laughs> having given it the, the respect... Hugo, the respect of being like, he said that. We will choose to pretend he did not say that. Yeah, yeah. So, in our abridged version... <laughs> yeah. We're like, yes, anyway, here's a footnote saying what he actually did say, but... That's a stupid decision, and we don't think that that's correct. So. <laughs> We've decided to have a moral panic. <coughs> <laughs> yeah. We are now into book censoring. <laughs> yes, literally. We will make sure that it is the m- most purest, closest to God reading of. Uh. All this to say... <laughs> He's like, oh my god, she's escaping. It's also that, like, him being like, she's escaping. They yeah. like, whoa, that's telling that you think of it that way, yeah. Valjean. Though, to be fair, like, escaping is a good thing from him. in his head. I know it's from him, but in my head it's like, he realises in that moment that he's a prison. I guess so. He's... Mm, okay, yeah, that's interesting, actually. So that was the first tiny seed that will eventually lead to him being like, and this is okay, because yeah. he's not okay right now. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, maybe that's the subconscious slipping in there. She's escaping. Because mm. he's got before his eyes the crushing proof. There's another object of her love. There's now a beloved. I'm only her father. I no longer exist. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, as you said, like he's never known lasting love before Cosette. Mm. So he, and he hasn't really had, like, she went to school. I assume she had friends with the other little earwig class. Yeah. But he's never had to, there's no sharing your child, like, when they marry someone else, Mm -hmm. I guess. Like, you're, like, friends, whatever, but, like, marriage, you're, like, oh, they've entered the family, and that family's meant to be more important Mm. than friendship, and that's why it scares me. Yeah, uh Um, yeah. And for that, and that's why he's like, "Well, I don't exist. She mm. can't love us both at the same time. Like he just can't understand that. I guess, yeah. Because he was like, "Yeah, she's going away and leaving me to have done all that he had done and be reduced to this." Yeah. Oh. He felt to the very roots of his hair the immense reawakening of egotism. <laughs> there is such a thing as internal collapse. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> don't we know it, Hugo? Don't we know it? Grief, when it reaches this pitch, routes all strength and conscience. There are deadly crises. 
few of us emerge from them true to ourselves and steadfast in our duty. Mm. I guess, yeah, as we know, he was kind of also working through how he dealt with his daughter wanting to get married mm. and is like, when you're going through the griefs, you're going to make choices and they're not what you, like, you know they're wrong. Yeah. So, yeah. And also, like, he completely was, like, pushing that, like, repressing everything in his life, being like, it's all okay because I have Cosette and mm. nothing will go wrong because I have Cosette. And then to be like, ah, I don't have Cosette. Now all of the repressions, they mm. are not being repressed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Well, it, so then we get back to funny. So we've, we've made it through it together, lads. We made it through <laughs> that one page of like, uh, uh. <laughs> Jean Valjean measured the dreadful step that his destiny had taken without us even suspecting it. And he's immediately like, it's that fucking boy from the gardens. <laughs> his instinct was unfaltering. His brain is going through the backlog, yeah. putting together certain circumstances, certain dates, certain of Cassette's blushes and pallors, and he's like, that's who it was. Yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker. You know that uh, meme of the seagull and its eyes go, like, bright red? <laughs> yeah. That's Valjean, like, turning. He's just like, ah! <laughs> He did not know the name, but he found the man instantly. <laughs> The unknown prowler in the Luxembourg gardens. That wretched philanderer. That romantic idler. That imbecile. That coward. For it is cowardly to come and make eyes at young girls who have at their side their fathers. Who love them. This is like him on stage, like, putting on the library as open reading glasses on full strike race. He's very like um uh pace like you can tell he's pacing just the way that he's talking he's so pacing mm. right now so he looks inside himself uh-huh. <laughs> Vojram, at all of this and all of these thoughts and he's like oh <laughs> there's hatred in here <laughs> tap tap yeah that one's full of hatred <laughs> great sorrows bring desolation mm. any man that and en- they enter feels something then go out of him so <laughs> what if you know if you he's saying if you're young these like these things happen and you go through a heartbreak or whatever like things happen but you're young and your heart can sort of heal and get over it mm-hmm. in old age when the years rush on and life is kind of shit <laughs> to that twilight hour when you begin to see the stars from the grave oh <laughs> there's no getting over it (laughs) his thoughts ran wild and that's when Toussaint comes in and he's like whereabouts is it do you know and she's like what like you said there was fighting (laughs) uh yeah over towards St Mary there's a certain automatic impulse that comes from the innermost recesses of our mind he's just like in the street he's not even he doesn't even think about it he's in the street bareheaded (laughs) Just outside his building, listening, <laughs> and it's night. The gammon, enemy of the light. How much time did he spend out there? <laughs> where, where, where did his thoughts go in that tragic introspection? Was he slumped? Did he draw himself up? He Even he couldn't say. <laughs> the, the, street, the, the street was deserted. 
Because, as we know, the peril is out there. It's every man for themselves. Yeah. There's the occasional anxious citizen hurrying home, but they don't even... They don't... No one is noticing each other in this situation. Mm. To anyone who had observed him in the shadows, Jean Valjean would not have looked like a living man. (laughs) (laughs) Still as a revenant made of ice. There's an alarm bell going off, which I guess is a real bell, probably in the distance to let everyone know that stuff's going down. Mm. And then the bells that tell the time go off because the alarm bell belongs to man, but time belongs to God. Uh So the bells are getting rung in God's house for the time. Um, But he doesn't stir until there's a sudden blast from the direction of the house. And then a second blast, even more violent. It's, possible that was the attack on the barricade that was repelled by Marius, but, but I couldn't can say. tell? Who could tell? <laughs> and that finally makes him start. Looks around, folds his arm, <laughs> head sank back into his chest, and he resumes his gloomy dialogue with himself. Mm. And then suddenly he looks up, because there's footsteps nearby, and out of the dark street, which... Is mostly dark, but there is actually some lanterns lit on this street. So coming into view, a young, pale, radiant figure. <laughs> Gavrash. Yeah. He sees Valjean, but takes no notice of him. Of him. Um, he's like looking at doors, squinting at the numbers, but everything is shut up. Mm. Valjean, who the moment before would neither have spoken to anyone nor even have answered, felt impelled to talk to this child. What's the matter with you, little fellow? What's the matter with me? I'm hungry. Little fellow yourself. Oh, yeah. Get him. <laughs> Gavroche is like, he is always on. He is always ready. <laughs> Valjean, the man that we know he is, immediately is like fumbling in his pocket and pulls out five francs. Mm-hmm. But Gavroche is not paying him any attention. He's still like looking around, looking up, picks up a stone because he'd noticed the street lamp. And Gavroche is like, fancy that? You've still got your lanterns here. That's against the rules, my friend. It's public disorder. Let's break it. (laughs) Yeah. He throws the stone at the lantern, smashing the glass. (laughs) So, like, everyone huddled in their houses are like, oh, my God. (laughs) And someone's like, oh, my God, it's 93 all over again. (laughs) The lantern goes out, and it's dark in the street again. That's right, old street, said Gavroche. Put your nightcap on. (laughs) Uh, turns to Valjean is like, oh, wait, what's this at the end of the street? The archives? Oh, I ought to have a go at those big fat pillars and make a nice barricade out of them. <laughs> and Valjean goes to him and is like kind of talking to himself. He's like, oh, poor creature, he's hungry. And puts the five francs in the boy's hand, who looks up amazed at the size of the coin. Mm. He's like, oh, let's examine this beast. Mm. Contemplates it, enraptured. Then turns to Valjean and is like, Bourgeois, I prefer to smash lanterns. Take back your fierce beast. I can't be bribed. (laughs) Oh, he's so good. Have you a mother, said Valjean? More likely than you are to have one. Oh, bitch. Yeah, (laughs) get him. Well, keep that money for your mother. Gavroche is like, oh. (laughs) And then notices that Valjean doesn't have a hat on. And this inspires confidence in him, because I guess this was a very hatted time. Yeah. He's like, honest? It's not 
to stop me from breaking lanterns. <laughs> and man of the people, Jean Valjean was like, break whatever you like. <laughs> 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 Which, like, he, I guess he knows how to endear children. Gavroche is immediately like, yeah, you're a decent chap. <laughs> Takes the five francs. It's like, oh, you live on this street? Can you tell me where number seven is? Which is the number of the house that Von Jean had just taken out. So he's like, uh, what do you want with number seven? And an idea flashes in Valjean's mind because he can see that Gavroche is suddenly like, ugh, mm. have I said too much? Mm. His anguish has moments of insight. <laughs> Says to the lad, are you the person who's bringing me the letter I'm expecting? Mm. You, you're not a woman. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you don't know Gavroche. Don't be gendering yeah. out here. The letter's for Mademoiselle Cosette, isn't it? Cosette. Funny name. Yeah, I think it's that. <laughs> and Valjean's like, oh yeah, well, you know, I'm the one who's going to make sure she gets it, so give that to me, please. <laughs> and Gavroche was like, oh, you, in that case, you know I must have been sent from the barricade. Gives a military salute. Like, respect the dispatch. It comes from the provisional government. Mm. <laughs> and Valjean just seems like, okay, yeah, please give it to me. Gavroche is like holding it over his head, like, don't go thinking it's a love letter. It's for a woman, but it's for the people. Uh-huh. We fight, we do, and we respect the ladies. Oh. <laughs> Keeps being like, please give me the letter. Finally gets it. And Valjean's like, oh, is, um, am I meant to, you know, you meant to wait for a reply? Mm. And Gavroche is basically like, uh, no, I've got to get back to my barricade. <laughs> So, saying that, he sets off again. Or rather, he winged his way back to where he'd come from, like an escaped bird returning home. Valjean, if you knew what was fucking good for you, you would just be like, just wait for, like, ten minutes. You know if he was not in the, like, going through the griefs, mm. he would have just, like, picked him up with his giant paw and put him safely yeah, in the house. locked him away somewhere. And without Gavrash's, like, amazing energy the street is quiet again. Mm. You would have thought he'd melted away into nothingness if a few minutes after his disappearance, there's another shattering of glass <laughs> and lantern falling on the street further down the road. Nice. Oh, Gavroche. We made it. We made it. It's a good thing he has those five francs that he can spend at any shop in the next mm, day or so oh, or a week morning. or, you know, rest of his life. Um. Oh. <laughs> well, we didn't have a death, but maybe we had something worse, but we made it through. <laughs> the death of our beloved character. Uh, not our Plovo. Not our Plovo. Our Plovo went through it this week. <laughs> or our, our, our defence of our Plovo. <laughs> death of the author. Death of the author. Yeah. It was Hugo's fault. <laughs> I'm, well, we've been through a lot today. We have been Guys. through a lot. <laughs> Perhaps more than last week. <laughs> kind of. Death we can deal with. Hugo incorrectly sexualizing our old man. How dare he? In the way that we don't want. <laughs> we don't agree with. Disavowed. Yeah. Cancelled forever. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully next week we have no more of Valjean's tainted sexuality and he can go back to being the good asexual possibly gay man that we know him as we, we just need we just need him and Javert in a scene together again and we'll all be fine <laughs> we'll be back we'll be back <laughs> um so looking forward to that <laughs> soon hopefully um 
This has been Brennan Barakay's Lemus Podcast, produced by me, Neema Martin, and Julian Yap. It's the Captain's Collections Podcast. If you like this podcast, you can send us all of your hate mail against Marius, um, but on <laughs> a piece of blotting paper so that we have to use reflective symmetry or whatever the science <laughs> yes. that Hugo wanted to teach us was. Um, and you can. As, as if people had never <laughs> noticed that reflections are backwards. You know, maybe some people hadn't, but mirrors have been around for a very long time, so you'd be surprised if not. (laughs) Lamers Podcast, L-E-S-M-I-S Podcast at gmail.com, or to our Twitter at Lamers Podcast, or to our Tumblr at Bread and Barricades. Our theme tune is designed by Jade, who you can find on her website, jadeusavi.com, or on her bandcamp, jadeusavi.bandcamp.com, where you can download it if you would like to do that. Thing. Or send us what you think that Jean Valjean, how he ate his chicken. Not even roasted. Like, I think it actually was a roasted bird, but if he could just have it sadly boiled, he would. Yeah, definitely. On any of our review places, just without context. And... I believe that is everything. So, thank you for listening. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. I also want Jean Valjean as Colonel Sanders. Oh Think like a kid. Oh my god. Oh, that's gotta exist, right? I don't know how I would find it, but I mean, he's got the white hair for it. Yeah, what's the point of you being a renaissance man good at everything Nemo if you can't make it happen (laughs) Uh, the flattery will get you everywhere